um, I think the personal things is something you ought to do on your own, do on your for your own self. Well, that's a good question. Now, that's I, just the way I when feel. When I asked you that on the phone, I couldn't think of it. You you couldn't think of that, but you said you, that you'd like to tell them something. You didn't have any questions, but you'd like to tell them. Well, I I, I felt like too that uh, the whole thing is concerning finance. To begin with, uh, slaves were brought over to in my estimation, to uh, for free labor. That was the number one item. Then all this other stuff transpired later. And uh, the person who had free labor could uh, become rich and do whatever he wanted to do and settle his land, his plantation. And of course, they were here first, and they used the black labor for that extent. You, it's all about money. You, you, you used the term they created a monster. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what the monster is. Well, in my mind, this is the way I look at it. Uh, in the first place, uh, we would not be here if they hadn't wanted to have free labor and bring. This was the whole idea of it. Right. They had no intention of one day letting us go free and get into their society. That was not intended. Right. Now, that's the monster. Okay. Once the, the uh, slaves were let loose, as they say, <laughs> And they, they, what to do with them now? You have to pay them now. Well, I can imagine it would be hard. I think it would be hard if uh, uh, I had someone doing everything free and then all at once the law said I had to pay them. So out of that has come a monster. Mm -hmm. are, are you saying what we have now yes. is the monster? Uh, the monster is having to pay. To, when the slaves were let loose, they didn't think they were going to ever let them loose. Uh-huh. That was the problem. That was when it started right there, because then they had to lose some of their richness in paying. Mm -hmm. Even now, I look at it this way, uh, like uh, they uh, would, uh, you get a position, they would let you in, they do it yet, they let you into a position, maybe in a big corporation, but not at the salary that that person had that you replaced as a rule, even though you worked into it. I, either I'm dense, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to understand, what is the monster part? I mean, is the white person the monster? Is the, is the black person the monster? No, Are the black person is the monster that they have let loose and it has gotten into their society, into their financial world, and they have to deal with them and they have to pay them now and now more than likely in most positions they're going to have to pay them according to what they should pay another white person. That they don't like. How can we get rid of the monster? Well, that is a big question. That is a $64,000 question. I don't know if it will ever be settled. I don't think in my lifetime. I really don't. Uh, one while uh, people would say that I guess all of those uh, racist people would have to die out. Well, that's not going to happen, not all of them. But you just have to deal with it. The way I taught my daughter was this. You are equal to anybody given and just lets you have the opportunity, but first you must study. My daughter said she didn't want to stay in and study her typewriter and do all this in the shorthand. I made her. Turn off television. You can't go in this place. There's nobody can come in. Now she's uh, GS6, she's secretary to the major, she's had good positions. Oh, I found out the name of that boss I asked her last week. 
Weizenbaum. She was secretary to the legal uh, consular at Mercantile, and uh, his name was Weizenbaum. You know, that's Weizenbaum. His, yeah, that was his name. Mm-hmm. Kramer Weizenbaum. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's uh, uh, just give equal money for work done by the same that you would give a Caucasian person. I um I one did we this is the last thing and then mm-hmm. we're gonna take <laughs> this off and to chat. Um didn't when Mill Creek was torn down, take you know, demolished, mm-hmm. you were still living there? No. 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 You had gone. Oh yeah. Mhm. Where did you go after Mill Creek? Oh, well, I was not there during the time when it was that. See, when I married, I married right out of high school. Uh, my mother died there. Let's see, what year was that when I, oh, God, about years. <laughs> 48. 48 was when I married. Graduated in 48. Uh-huh. And, and I married oh, okay. so that was right out of high school. That was before. Okay. okay. Where did you live with your husband? Oh, we moved into an interracial neighborhood in the, the West End, at near Etzel and uh, Hodemont. And we moved into a big apartment building. Um, it was only about six or seven black people in there at the time. And uh, we lived there. Well, when I divorced him, I left him there. That was in the 50s. And is there anything you want to say that we... I mean, mm. we've talked about so many things. Mm-hmm. We could talk about <laughs> I mean, is there... Well, I don't know. What do, you, what do you hope people might learn from some of the things that you've said? Well, I think people should, number one, do, well, maybe do, not do exactly as I do, but I think it wouldn't hurt to just meet people on an even keel and investigate them. That is, when I meet people, I don't look just at their skin color. I look beyond the skin, and I'm curious about that person, not their color. What makes that person tick? That's what I'm interested in. And people tell me, you don't meet strangers. No, I don't, because (laughs) when I meet somebody within an hour, I'm on to them. I want to find out more about them, and uh, I'll invite them into my meetings or what have you, and I want to find out what do you do? What do you do uh, for entertainment? What do you do, uh, anything civic-wise, something that might be interesting to me or something that I can latch on to, and uh, if it's something related, we have more to talk on. Or, or whatever. This is the way I am. I want to know what makes a person tick. You know what I'd like to know before we close this off? What happened when Jordan Chambers died? What happened in the black community that oh, day? Oh, let me what tell happened? you. What I happened? thought I would die. I tell you. Well, in the first place, I told you how powerful this man was. You have to go to the library to find really how powerful he right. was. But uh, he. Personal. Okay. I was still working at City Hall at the time when he died. Okay. Uh, people came. Hmm? People came from everywhere. Uh, now Chambers was just not into the black community only. He had uh, you take uh, Governor Donnelly when we would go. Let me tell you this much about him, right quickly. 
he had very uh, a lot of power. He had his own coach with the trains. When go to Jeff City, he would pull off his coach there and going through the train to Kansas City and pull off his private coach there. When he would go to Jeff City to the governor's ball and the meetings there, everybody would say, Mr. Chambers is here. He wore this 10-gallon white hat that was his trademark and this little string tie thing. And uh, when we'd go to Jeff City, uh, he was accorded a seat right with the governor and everybody, and uh, we were always invited to the hotels and the best places and all of that. Now, when he died, he was honored just that way. But what happened that day? Okay, was when it? he died, he had his own funeral party, as I said, people's funeral par undertaking party. He was laid out there. Oh, I think about four days, three or four days. The governors came, everybody came. They had this uh, procession. It was endless. Uh, the police department had their motorcade. They had the governor led the body on. Uh, I'm telling you, it was a sight to behold. People were just running everywhere. And uh, all kind of, uh, well, of course, I realized later through him that a lot of the deals and things that were pending, people were, the, the political folk were scattering around trying to get things together because they had things that this man had put in operation or they had put in operation in connection with, to him, with him that were at stake for the coming election, see. So they were concerned, even at the funeral, as to who was going to be the successor if there was anybody trained to handle these things. And they were just like in little groups like these, conversing all during all this time, the funeral times what and stuff. What do you think it meant to the black community? Lost well, I think uh, uh, it meant that we had lost the great power. He was the power. Uh, people used to say, well, hmm, if you, uh, uh, anybody want to get on the police force, this and that and the other, I don't know who they'll see now. I don't know who they have in the organization. They're going to have, they won't have his power. They'll have his position, but not the power. So did a lot of people lose jobs the following Oh, year? no, no. They didn't lose jobs. No, they didn't lose jobs because the organization was there. The votes were still there. See, that's what makes you powerful. Yeah, the votes were still there. Okay. What happened? We had Judge Harvey. He was a magistrate judge who was the run-up. I think he was president of the organization under Chambers. Uh, we had a big private meeting. Uh, no press allowed or anybody. And they put it to the vote of the precinct captains and all the organization people. Uh, the aldermen wanted to be committeemen. Uh, different ones. You say we. Were you involved? In yes, that? I was very actively involved at that time. They wanted uh, the uh, alderman had his. They had some secret meetings. You know, they, whether they call them, um, I forget what they call caucuses. You were a clerk. Yeah, but I had a position. Because of Mr. Webb. Uh huh. And not only that, I was their queen. What does that mean? Well, at one point, at the Riviera Club, we get back to that, they had, uh, Chambers decided that he would have, among his ladies, he would have contests to determine who could raise the most money, and that would be the first queen of his organization. 
and that girl would uh, reign from one year to the other. She would have political clout. She would have, uh, at the dinners, or like when we went to Jeff City, she would preside there with him and wherever, all the big events. And those days they had events. You had to have different evening gowns for every occasion. And you stepped out, as mine would say. <laughs> so I stepped out, babe. <laughs> so as you said, it all money. Yes, right, babe. And clout. So anyway, I beat them good. I raised the most money. I entertained at the bar. I sold uh, a barbecue because my folks used to have barbecue dinners and I knew how to cook. I brought those dinners to City Hall. I raised money at City Hall and I beat them out and I won that crown. So that's how I became the queen. So that gives you a little clout in the organization too. And then I had been, I was in both organizations. I was in the parent organization and in the Young Democrats, too. I continued with that. And I was active in that, too. So then I could go as alternate delegates to the big conventions and things like that. I worked for Johnson, Lady Bird, when it came to town, the Johnson campaign. I, uh, yeah, back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to meet a lot of people and uh, do a lot of things. Then I started writing a few speeches and oh, I really got involved with the whole thing and I was very excited about it and I liked it. But it's a good side to politics. Yeah. And there's, there's the other side. And McKinney, I've just enjoyed you. <laughs> I've enjoyed you too, lady. I was thinking last week when you were so sick, I said, oh, poor dear. I said, I miss her. We have to have a little lunch here. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. Right, do something. Okay. I tell you what I'm going to ask you too. Uh, where are you going from here? You're going to do with your stuff. Oh, okay. Well.